Where was I? I was lamenting that terrible football game yesterday where Louisville just tore up Florida State. It was awful. The only, only encouragement I had yesterday was University of Miami tore somebody else up, but they haven't played anybody yet. And those of you who are Gator fans, you haven't played anybody yet either. So, um, oh man, you know, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you would turn there, I'd appreciate it. We're going to go kind of verse by verse or take it a couple things in verse and and uh, yesterday, I really needed somebody to encourage me. And there wasn't on, it just wasn't happening. Uh, as I watched that football game, I finally turned it off because it was just that disgusting. Oh, but uh, yeah, I hear that, that, that Gator guy back there. He is the, the epitome of what's wrong with University of Florida fans. But uh, yeah, look at him. See there where we go. <clears throat> hmm. Someday we'll get him right with God and he'll, he'll turn. <laughs> hmm. <sighs> okay. Let me tell you something. We, need, we live in a time where people need a lot of encouragement. And uh, here's four facts. Four things you can't ever, ever afford to forget. The first thing. People are hurting far more than you know and far more than they show. Folks, you know, uh, the pastor does it all the time. You put on our Christian smile, and what does he say, top teeth? Hmm. And you, we, well, oh, how are you? We're fine. Freaked out. Insecure. We're all messed up. But we just, we, we, we just don't understand. And believe me, out here today, there's people who are hurting they're hurting a lot more than you can imagine. You just, but they may not be showing it. And that's a fact. We need to remember that all the time. Second thing we can't ever afford to forget is you have far more to offer than you know and far more than you show. Folks, I hear it all the time. Well, I don't know how to do that, or I can't do that, or I. You can do things. You have so much more on the ball. Well, I'm just not good enough. No, you're good enough. By the way, look, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose again. And if you've received him as your Savior, he's made you a, a child of God. Uh, you're a joint heir with him. You, you, you're good enough. If you're good enough for the Son of God to die for you, you're good enough. You have a whole lot to offer. And you, you don't, may not know it, but you have a whole lot more to offer than you ever will know and probably you'll ever show. And the third thing we need to understand, the, 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 uh, that we, we just can't forget this, encouragement is helping others take the next step that they couldn't take on their own. It's that next step that, that will allow them to become more like Christ. You see, we need one another. We need one another to grow. We need uh, uh, not just feel good, but we need, we need to help people to be conformed to the image of Christ. Here's a church word. It's called discipleship. Even though Mike hasn't got past the gator thing, it's okay. 
He got saved a couple years ago, and this man has grown, and he's grown, and he's more becoming more and more like Christ, and he gets encouragement from a men's class, and he gets encouragement. Uh, we worked together for about a year eating breakfast at Chick-fil-A. Boy, I miss those breakfasts. But uh, <laughs> we, were, we worked together, and, and, and you know what? Just a little bit of encouragement here and a little bit of encouragement there, and, and people pour into your life, and they give you a word here or a, a lift up here, and it pushes you to the next place. To be a little bit more like Christ. And that's what we're to be doing. And you can do that. You have no idea. Encouragement helps others take that next step. Now, how do we become very encouragers? Here's the next thing. The key to encouragement is our attitude. It's our attitude. We have got to develop an encouraging attitude. Or if you want to be a little more um, grammar friendly, an attitude of encouragement. We have got to develop an attitude of, of encouragement. So this morning, I want to go through a few things that will help us develop that attitude, okay? So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll start by verse 12. Here's the first thing. If we want to develop an attitude uh, uh, of encouragement, or an encouraging attitude, we have to identify and build upon the attitudes that build great churches. Let's read verses 12 to 15 together. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. It's interesting that the first thing Paul's doing here is he writes to the Thessalonians, actually ending up a letter to the Thessalonians, giving them that last bit of encouragement, lifting them up one more time. He talks about the church. The things, the attitudes that build a great church. By the way, I, I, in the introduction, I kind of talked about it. Do you guys realize that we need each other? You know why it's important for us to come together here on Sunday mornings, uh, in Bible studies, in small groups on Wednesday night? Because we need each other. And, and Paul's going to give us a few principles here that will help us develop a great attitude to build a great church. First thing in verse 12, you see he's talking to the leaders. And we beseech you, brethren, know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Listen, a leader is anyone who has someone else looking up to them. So basically every one of us are leaders. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's pastors, it's assistant pastors, it's deacons, it's trustees, it's teachers, it's song leaders, it's musicians. It's our greeters. Hey, junior high kids is not in here. There's one helping, a couple of them are helping. There's one. You know what? Those little kids that you help in children's church, they're looking at you as a leader. Those high school kids, they'll, most of them will be here next service the high school kids, you know who's looking to them? The junior high kids and the little kids. You know who's looking to you adults? All the younger people. 
They may not act like they're looking at you for leadership, but they are. You see, we're all leaders. And it's interesting, the word they use here. There's a work, the first thing he's telling us, these leaders, is to work hard. It says, know them which labor among you. That word there that's used there means to work till exhaustion. Work hard, he's telling these leaders. And he's telling them also to lead well. And it says to admonish wisely. See, if we're going to build those great attitudes, the leaders, it's really kind of what it takes all of us. We've got to, to work hard. We've got to lead well. We've got to be a great example. And when the time comes to admonish or to correct, we have to do it wisely. Not only does he talk to the, to, to the leaders, but he talks about the leaders. Look at verse 13. He says, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. That esteem them, he's asking us to, to respect those leaders. Esteem is one step above. It's like super high respect. And, and treat them with honor. And then it says to be at peace with them. You realize that there's always going to be times where there's a there's going to be a little bit of contention. There are people who aren't going to agree with each other. And as we don't agree with each other, as, as, as you follow leaders or you may not agree with a leader, you can still have that discussion. It's a two-way start. Two-way street, not start. Y'all, you can't, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> the Duncans were here yesterday, and I wrote out some names and stuff for some things, and they couldn't read it. And uh, they said it was too small. You ought to see how I wrote on this. I can't read it. It's too small. I really ought to do better with that. No, we do not need division. We need to have unity. When we have unity, we have power. The church has power in unity. See, Paul was correcting these people. They had bad theology on the rapture they thought they missed it some of them were 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 just hanging around doing nothing and and as a leader he came and he admonished and he corrected and he was encouraging them to come together in unity and in power preaching the gospel he goes on in verses 14 and 15 to really talk to all of us he says now we exhort you brethren warn them that are unruly Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, seeing that none render evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and all men. It's interesting, he says, he says, warn them that are unruly. Warn them. It's warning those idols this morning, if you're not, if you're not doing anything, if you're just kind of idle sitting around watching everything go by and, and get involved. Complaining about how things happen or complaining how this world going, that's not going to do any good. You have the ability to make an impact on the positive side. Don't be idle. Also, it says, unruly. I'll never forget, there was a lady that went to this church for years and years and years. Now, she's in heaven now. But this lady 
every time, she had a way of offending people like crazy. I mean, she just, man, she'd leave tidal waves. It's just amazing how many people she offended. And you would ask and, and say, well, what's, why didn't somebody tell her and explain to her what she's doing? Oh, she'll just be, she's just her. Mary will be Mary. I'm looking here, I don't know that many people here may know this person, so. But Mary will be Mary. We don't need to let Mary be Mary. If someone would have followed this scripture earlier on and warned her and helped her overcome this, there would be a lot less hurt people around. You've probably been heard before that, that hurting people hurt people. That's very true, and this lady had been hurt terribly. And because she had been hurt terribly, she ended up hurting lots of people terribly. But it, it, it would, if she realized what she was doing, it would break her heart. You realize that most people who hurt people don't even realize they're doing it. So warn the unruly. We're going to have a strong church. If we're going to be encouraging, we're going to develop that, that, that great attitude of encouragement. We have to warn them. Not only that, we have to encourage the timid. Just those that, that need a little nudge to take the next step. Just that little nudge like, oh man, we got, it's been great. We've had a lot of people sign up and, and to get involved with uh, Good News Club and Awana and, and our children's ministries as we, for, uh, as we go on. It, the same thing's happening in our second service. We're seeing great things happen there. Lord's blessing. And some people, it just takes a little bit of a nudge. You know, you could really be good at that. That timid person, that shy person, they, they, I can't do this. A little nudge can help them grow. I think of timid people, I think of my wife. Um, she's grown a lot. If you knew her when we first got married, she wouldn't even look you in the eye. Uh, Charlotte tells a story the first time we met Pastor and Charlotte in, in Gainesville. I had gone to Gainesville. Our family had gone to Gainesville to start a church. Pastor was there. He had already started a church, and we came in, and, and uh, Cynthia just couldn't hardly look anybody in the eye. She was just so shy and so timid, and, and um, she's an incredibly gifted lady with little bits of nudges here and a little bit of nudge there and a little help there. I don't know. Some of you have heard her speak in women's meetings. If you ever go into the kids' ministry, she's amazing with kids. See, it just takes a little bit of encouragement to the timid goes on too, and it tells us to help the weak, support the weak, it says. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Those are the spiritually and even physically. They need a little support. They need a little help. They need a little, uh, we need to help sick, a sick person. We need to be caring. We need to show that we, we uh, are actually thinking of them. Those who are spiritually going through difficulties, we need to help. We need to encourage. We need to be uh, working toward restoration. Then it says, be patient with all men. It says, follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. See that none render evil for evil. Romans chapter 12 talks a lot about that. Verses 17 and following. It says, recompass no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, nor give, I'm sorry, but nor give place under wrath. 
For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals upon fire, of fire upon his head. And be, not, and be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Follow the good. Be like Christ. Love your enemy. To do this, boy, I'm going to ask you a lot. If we're going to do this, we have to take the focus off ourselves and put it on others. By the way, the most miserable people are focused on themselves. If you want to get rid of that misery, you want to be an encourager, you want to develop a great attitude, get, it, get all your thoughts off of yourself and put it onto others. It will help you tremendously. It will help you keep things in perspective. And all those terrible problems that you're having will become a whole lot smaller when you're worried about and taking care of others. You see, if we're going to develop an attitude of encouragement as a church, we have to not look at ourselves, but look at others. Romans 12 lists a whole bunch of gifts. Do you realize that every one of you have gifts? God's empowered every one of you with at least one gift and maybe several. And if you used your gift to take care of somebody else's needs, and that somebody else used their gift to take care of your needs, whose needs would ever, be go, would ever go missing? Nobody. Everybody's needs would be met. Take your eyes off yourself. Put it on others. That will help us develop in a great attitude of encouragement to encourage those who are around us, those who are hurting as a church. But not only that, if we're going to develop that great attitude, if we're going to develop an encouraging attitude, we have to identify and build upon the attitudes that build great Christians. You see, the first part was for all of us, what we need as a, as a community, a corporate body. The second part here, verses 16 to 28, talks about what we need personally to become great Christians. Verses 16 to 18 talks about our private worship it says rejoice evermore pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you rejoice evermore be joyful always does that mean happy is there a difference between joyful and happy absolutely happy is based on a happening on an event, on something. I was not happy yesterday about Florida State getting tore up. Just not happy. I'm still not happy about it. I'm still pretty miserable about it. Now, did that take my joy away? No. I choose to be joyous. I choose that. Happiness, happiness is based on an event. Joy is a choice. You see, it's focusing on God, not on circumstances. Now, is the world going to end because they got beat so bad? Nope. Probably not. And whatever team you support, there's going to be a time they get beat bad too. Is your world going to end? No. But if I focus on what God's doing, I, don't, I won't have to worry about that so much. Somebody was telling me that they got mad at the NFL, so they quit watching the NFL decide they quit watching news and their life is so much easier they have so less so much less hassle you know that may be a good idea 
We need to focus on God, not circumstances. To be joyous, we need to focus on the unseen. Not trusting in the seen. He goes on and tells us to pray without ceasing. To continually pray. I don't know about you, but it's developing that where you're just in a constant conversation with God. It's not just getting on your knees and praying and praying and praying. Um, I can't do that real long. My knees won't hold out. And if I lay down and try to pray, I fall asleep. So I walk around and I pray and, and, and I have a conversation with God going all the time. One of the best times I used to drive a lot. And when you're driving, it's that constant, constant conversation with God. It goes beyond just a religious, I'm going to pray these many times a day before my meals or before I go to beds. You know, the God is good, God is great. Thank you for the food. Now let me down to sleeps. Put those aside. Those are, those, are, those are good, but they're not the best. The best is being in a continuing relationship with Jesus Christ where you're having a conversation all the time. By the way, as you're having that conversation all the time, your mind won't be wandering so much to those horrible things that tend to enter our mind when we try to pray. Pray without ceasing. And then he says, do this. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Wow. That seems a hard thing to do, doesn't it? I mean, there's been some crazy circumstances in my life. I know there's crazy circumstances in your life. And we are told to give thanks for those crazy circumstances those crazy things that happen, those, those hurtful things that happen, those things you just can't understand why God's allowed them to happen. It says it's His will, absolutely His will for us to be thankful in all things. I don't like a lot of things that happen in my life, and I'm sure you don't like a lot of things that happen in your life. But here's what I do know. Our God is good. He is very good. I also know that He is sovereign. And I know that He is faithful. And I know that He sees things beyond anything I can ever see. One of the greatest examples of these, um, some of you may be familiar with the story of Jim Elliott and several other men that uh, lost their lives in Ecuador to the, uh, the, the aqua, aqua. And, and actually, they're, they're the Wadani is what their, their real name is. They lost their lives back in the 50s. And um, later on, uh, Jim Elliott's wife and Nate Saint's sister went into this tribe, won them. Uh, more people have been won because these people came back. Because these men gave their lives as martyrs on the mission field. That tribe converted, has converted many around their area and actually has gone around the world uh, one of the men who actually killed Nate Sate's father um, went with him and uh, has preached all over the world a man losing his father is not a good thing but God took that terrible thing to spread the gospel and actually provide him with another father the man who very the, uh, actually feared his father Amazing stories. God can use that. The thing that's going on in your life right now, 
that seems so difficult, be thankful, for God will use it for good. Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. You see, who knew Hurricane Charlie? How many of y'all were here when Hurricane Charlie? How many of you remember the holes in the roof? No ceiling tiles. The carpet. You know, we had the most beautiful blue carpet, blue tarps. How many remember meeting in the parking lot? Amazing. It was terrible. We fed people, all sorts of people around here. God's blessed us. He's given us this building. He's given us this building. He, what? He took something that, was a, that seemed to be a disaster, and he, and he turned it to good. So we must be thankful in all things. Let me tell you something. There will be some things that we won't get to see why we should be thankful, but we are to be thankful for all things. There's our, our private worship. Verses 19 to 22, he tells us to about a little bit about our public wor- worship. He says, quench not the Spirit. Listen, when God speaks to us and we say no, we're quenching that Spirit. Or when God is speaking to others and, and, and we squash their Spirit, we're quenching God's Spirit. Listen, God may be speaking to you right now. Don't shove it down. Respond to Him. Oh, despise not prophesying. Prove all things that hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Listen, be open to the Spirit of God as He deals with you. Be receptive to God's Word. God wants to speak to you. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for worship. Prepare yourself to hear from God. Listen, do you understand why we do a song service? We call it worship service now. Things change, names change all the time. But why do we do that? It is prepare our hearts, prepare our minds as we sing those, those, those incredible words. It's to prepare our hearts to receive the message that God has for us. Do you spend a little bit of time before you come to church to get your heart re- prepared? Or you like a lot of people, you're rushing around trying to get your, well, you know, there's not a lot of, not a lot of y'all are getting kids ready anymore. But do you remember what it was like trying to go to church, get my poor wife, I'd always go to church early, leave her with the three kids to get them together. She had to deal with all the fuss and fighting, and then there would always be either five, two minutes before they ought to be here or five minutes late, and then she had to see me up there with a scowl on my face why are they late I'll be paying for that one day I'm sure listen be receptive to God's word prepare yourself and then be discerning and selective prove all things hold fast that which is good Acts chapter 17 talks about the Bereans how they uh, they were more noble than these in Thessalonica they were a whole lot more noble than the Thessalonicans and, and they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Yeah. Our private worship, check it out. Oh. Don't just take what Pastor and I say, or don't take even what Dennis says. You know, he's always right. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, ask him. <laughs> Listen, we... 
the, the, the dumbest things I've ever done were taking people at their words. I'd hear a preacher say something, because I thought a lot of that preacher, I'd preach the same thing, and I'd find out it wasn't right, wasn't true, made up. I hate being made look bad because I copied somebody else. Check it out. But all right, here, here's the best way. Be really careful what you repost on Facebook. Okay? I see people posting ridiculous stuff all the time. There's a website called snoops.com. Uh, check it out before you repost something that seems like it might be a little bit odd. <laughs> be, check it out. Check out God's word. See, prove all things. Lastly, if we're going to develop a, a, a great attitude, last part of this, we need, Paul gives us a word about our spiritual growth. Look at verse 23 and 28 with me. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. A couple things that you see here in this little passage. Be dependent. Be dependent upon God. <laughs> um, Friday. Friday. Uh, a lady who goes here took me over to meet her um, sister-in-law who's dying and wanted me to give the gospel. And I gave the gospel. And I felt really inadequate. I didn't know. If, and I asked this lady, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? She said yes. And she prayed and received Christ as her Savior. Yeah. My whole time I'm thinking, I didn't do that very well, and I'm not sure she really understood, and I hope I didn't lead her into doing something and then, you see, but if I depend on me, I have all the doubts. I depend on God. It's not up to me. It's up to God. We must be dependent upon God. Standing up here this morning, I was thinking, oh, man, I don't get to do this all this much, and I'm probably going to be rusty, and I'm probably not going to do very good, and, and I'm not as funny as pastor, or definitely not as funny looking as pastor. But uh, <clears throat> I have hair. <laughs> Though it's turning white. <laughs> I can't get up here without depending upon God. It's his responsibility. I can't do it. The second thing, though, we learn from this, not only about our spiritual growth, we have to be dependent on, on God to do the work, but we have to be responsible. We have to make ourselves available. It's been said that the greatest ability is availability. I was so thankful. Friday night we had so many people that showed up. We we're going to go um, work the concession stand at Fort Charlotte High. We didn't get to do that. Uh, there was rain and the threat of some sort of violence going on, and everything was locked down. There were policemen everywhere, and we sat there for the longest time, and, and then we finally came back. Now, we're, we're going to go back tomorrow night. Those of you who can help, um, same thing. Meet here at quarter to six. We'll get out there, and, and we'll go work the concession stand. The greatest ability you have, though, is availability. You see, we are living in a world where people are hurting. They need encouragement. And we can be great encouragers as we develop an attitude of encouragement.
and tell you the greatest words of encouragement are contained in the gospel. You see, we have a God who sent his son to die on a cross, was buried, and rose again. And you know why he did that? It's because we missed the mark. We are sinners. We are separated from that God. And if we die in that state, we will be separated from him forever in a place called hell. Hell's not a place to, it's a place to shun. It's not a place to go near. And our God loves us enough. He encourages us enough that he gave himself for us. What more encouraging words can you share? If we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we will call upon him, our sins will be forgiven, and we can be assured of an eternity with God. What greater encouragement can there be? This morning, as we finish up, what do you need to do to develop your attitudes? What attitudes do you need to develop? Who can you encourage this week? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I want to pray. Father, uh, thank you. Thank you that uh, you are always an encourager. Father, may we take heart to that, encourage those who are around us, those who are hurting. Lord, may we trust that we can be a blessing as you empower us, as we depend upon you. Pray, Lord, this morning, if there's one here that's never received you as Savior, that this morning that you will draw them, and, Lord, that they will not be afraid to call upon you. We praise you, Father. We ask that you will use us as a church, as individuals, to do your will across this world. In Jesus' name.